celebrating the birth of Jesus. Thank you for what this season means to us. And God, I pray that as we look into your word today, you'd speak to our hearts. Because Lord, every one of us needs you in different ways. So help us, Lord, to hear you speaking to us, I pray. Amen. 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 I love Christmas, which is one of the way, reasons why we do Christmas big around here. Uh, but I do want to give a shout out today to incredible number of people who turned up here Friday night and decorated the whole place out and made it as fabulous as it is. So our thanks to everybody involved in that. And some were with us a day or two before that, taking care of the children's areas and over those parts. And I do want to give a shout out particularly to the person who conceived everything and, and, and really had the vision for things to look. And that's Lynn Mueller, who uh, really has a fabulous eye for detail. Appreciate that. And the other thing is, I do want to thank the two ladies who were here before dawn this morning, starting pancakes going. And we really appreciate what you've done. Thank you so very much. It was a good start, wasn't it? Christmas is fabulous. And uh, over the next few weeks, the, the, the theme we're looking at in our Sunday teaching through the month of December is where we're looking at the theme, home for Christmas. Home for Christmas. That's a phrase most of us are familiar with because everybody who's anybody in the entertainment industry has recorded, I'll be home for Christmas. Some better than others. But anyway, it was first recorded apparently by Bing Crosby. And some of you say, oh, and others of you say, who's he? <laughs> Which is fair enough, because it was actually recorded during World War II. And the whole concept of I'll be home for Christmas was from, was from a serviceman's perspective who was thinking about and dreaming about the fact that he was at home as Christmas approached instead of being on the battlefield. And that, that was the origin, home for Christmas. And home becomes a significant thing for us. One of my favorite Christmas movies, apart from Die Hard, one of my favorite, one, one of my favorite Christmas movies is, is, is Home Alone, right? And, and Home Alone actually, you know, really underscores the whole thing of being home for Christmas. Do you remember the, the, the part when Kevin, having been left there in his home by himself, do you, do you remember when he, he gets to the stage where he, he, he meets, there's a Santa Claus that's there, and, and, and he talks to him, and he says, I know you're not the real Santa Claus, but, but can you give him, when you see the real Santa, here's what he says, would you please tell him, instead of presents this year, I want my family back. Amen. And that's one of the most poignant parts, I think, of that movie. Uh, one of the most uh, significant parts, I must confess, I, I love when, when his mother Kate is, is, at, the, uh, is at the airport and, and she's, she's talking to the um, representative at the desk and, and saying to him, you know, you've got to get me on a plane. And she says, I don't care if I have to get out on your runway and hitchhike. 
if it costs me everything I own, if I have to sell my soul to the devil himself, I'm going to get home to my son. Home. Christmas, Christmas evokes thoughts of home. Of course, I spent the first 26 of years of my life in England. And then I spent the next 15 years of my life in Scotland. And then I've spent the last 32 years of my life in the United States. That's 73 to save you the math, okay? Uh, so so I, sometimes folks say to me, but where do you really think is home? And my reply is this. All of them, but none of them. And I'll come back to that in a minute. All of them, but none of them. Home for Christmas. Where's home? Where's home? That's the question. Where is it? If you think about it, when you look at the Christmas story, the Christmas story is a story about misplaced people. Mary and Joseph weren't home. They came from Nazareth. And everything started off remarkably well. So Luke 1.28 talks about the angel Gabriel coming and says, Gabriel appeared to Mary and said, Congratulations, favored lady. The Lord is with you. That's a pretty impressive start. And then when she finds out she's going to have a baby and, and, and the baby was divinely conceived, she's got to convince her fiancé of that. That's a tough sell. <laughs> so Matthew's gospel tells us that Joseph, being a, you know, being a regular kind of a guy, Joseph lay awake considering this. And he fell into a dream and saw an angel standing beside him. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, don't hesitate to take Mary as your wife for the child within her has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. Wow, so now Joseph has this supernatural experience. And the angel went on and said to Joseph, he will be called Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. So the Christmas story started really fantastic. Here's this young couple and they've got this you know, incredible visitations from God, and they've got this absolutely amazing news. But if you think through the Christmas story, living out God's plan actually wasn't that easy for them. And let me just remind you this morning that sometimes for us, living God's way and living out God's plan in this world Sometimes it will not be easy. But the main thing for Mary and Joseph was this. said, this baby is going to be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The main thing was, however complicated it got, God was with us, with them. And, and, and here's something I want to remind you all of this morning. However complicated life's journey might become, Christmas reminds us that God is with us. God is with us. So you know how the story went. So, so Mary's pregnant and she's about, it's about time for the baby to be born. 
and, and they're going to have a census. But in those days, you didn't get a form in the mail to complete. What happened in those days, you went to the place where you were born. Joseph had to go to Bethlehem, so he takes Mary with him. Mary, we've got to go on a short road trip. Nine months pregnant, Mary. And we've got to go to Bethlehem. And so Bethlehem would have been something like three or four days travel. Now, I know on all the Christmas cards, Mary's sitting on a donkey and Joseph's walking beside her. Can I just mention, the Bible doesn't say anything about she was sitting on a donkey. I hope she was. But she may well have been walking as well. Walking like maybe for something like six or eight hours a day and, 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 and going at that for something like four days. So here is Mary, nine months pregnant. I can't conceive. Of course, I've never been nine months pregnant, but I've, I've been very close to someone on two occasions who was nine months pregnant. And, 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 and I know it was no fun going anywhere. Dear Lord, going upstairs was enough. So they go to Bethlehem, they get to Bethlehem, you know the deal, there's no place for them to stay. So here we go. So it's time, I'm due, here's a stable. And then, when the baby's been born, an angel says to Joseph, don't go back home because Herod's going to try to kill him. Go to Egypt. All right, now if a four-day journey when you're nine months pregnant was demanding, imagine taking a newborn baby on a week-long journey. Any of you remember traveling with an infant? It was like moving house, wasn't it? There is so much junk you've got to take with you to make sure you're okay. So here's the baby now, newborn, and they have to travel now, and they, tra they travel for a whole week down to Egypt. So here are this teenage duo, totally uprooted in a foreign country, possibly for up to three years, till Herod died and the threat was removed. Mary and Joseph weren't home for Christmas. And that just reminds me of this. Sometimes even though we're serving God, life's going to get difficult. But you know what we've always got to be aware of? God is with us. God is with us. Through every struggle, every twist, every turn, God is with us. And it may be that you're sitting here this morning or watching us online today, and maybe you need to be reminded of that again. Listen, God is with you. God is with us. Mary and Joseph weren't home. Hey, think about some of the other major players. The shepherds weren't home. You know what home was to the shepherds? Home to the shepherds was tents or caves in the fields of Judea. That was their home. Luke 2.15 talks about the angels coming and announcing to them that Jesus had been born. And then it says, when this great army of angels had returned again to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, come on, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this wonderful thing that has happened, 
which the Lord has told us about. Now, now, now here's, here's the thing. Some of you, some of you I think, will, will, would particularly love the shepherds and identify with the shepherds when I tell you this. Shepherds were misfits. Some of you feeling better already, are you? <laughs> shepherds, <laughs> I am. Shepherds were misfits. They, they were looked down upon by everybody because, you, you know, for, for one reason, they, they tended to pitch their tent, stay around for a while, let their sheep graze. Then when they uh, really stripped the fields dry, uh, clean, they'd go off to some other area. They came and they went, and there were people who swore that they were thieves, that shepherds would come into towns and villages, and they'd steal, and they'd rob you. And, and and shepherds they never trusted. In fact, so much so, it was written into the law of the time that a shepherd could never be a witness in a court of law because they, they were liars. And then there's the fact, if you live out in a field in a tent somewhere for most of your life, you might be socially awkward. Right? Any introverts in the house? They lived their lives. They lived their lives in their tents with their sheep, and they were good. But actually, folks kind of looked down at them because they, you know, they couldn't understand the way they were, and they seemed different, and they seemed weird. And the fact is, of course, human nature hasn't changed in 2,000 years. So we still tend to wonder about people who are a little bit different. So when the shepherd said, let's go to Bethlehem, that was a brave move out of their environment. And they might have said it in the heat of the moment with great enthusiasm. Wow, wow, that was, the angel said, the Savior's been born, let's go see. But also there was probably a fair bit of apprehension as well. The fields were home. The tents were where they belonged. The town was another thing altogether. But the shepherd's discomfort reminds me of this. If you want to really meet Jesus, you've got to get out of your comfort zone. You've got to get out of your comfort zone. If you really want to know Jesus, you might need to take a step away from what you know what you're familiar with, life as it is. If you're going to become a follower of Jesus, you can't be a follower of Jesus and hold on to absolutely everything else. Your life is his or your life is yours. It can't be both. The shepherds weren't home. The wise men weren't home. <laughs> they were far from home. Now, their gifts imply they were wealthy. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh were all expensive things. Uh, and we generally go by gold, frankincense, and myrrh to draw the conclusion there were three wise men. But, of course, it doesn't tell us in the Bible how many wise men there were. Chances are they were astronomers. They were, let's get this right, astrologers more than astronomers. There were people who looked to the stars to read their fortunes and to see what was happening. And they'd come, they'd come tradition says, from Persia. And, and, and of course, they arrived 12 days later, January the 6th. The wise men were a long way from home. 
they really didn't know which way to go. But they were guided, Matthew chapter 2, verse 9. The star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them till it stopped over the place where the child was. They didn't know where they were going. So they just kept following the signs that God gave them. So if the man or woman in this room or men and women in this room who can say, I really know totally where my life's going. If you would stand up now, we'd like to applaud you and salute you. We will also recommend a therapist to you. We don't know. We don't know. We journey through this life. And we give it our best shot. And we make our best choices. But you know what? So many of us here this morning have discovered. Psalm 37 and verse 23 says, The steps of good people are directed by the Lord. What we've discovered is that we need some help. And we need some guidance. And we need some direction. And what we've discovered is this. We found that God's Word is not just an old-fashioned book with a bunch of restrictions. We found that this book gives us direction for our lives. This book gives us some guidance for our lives. And this book shows us the way to the best life that we could live. God guides us. As much as he guided the wise men who were far from home. Fact is, we need guidance and we need direction through life as well. And some of the most best meaning of our family and friends aren't able to give that to us. But I want to tell you this. The God who breathed life into you and me is the one who wants to direct every step of our lives so that we live it to the full as he intended. The wise men weren't home. And then, of course, Jesus wasn't home. Jesus wasn't home. Galatians 4, verse 4, 5 says this. When the right time came, the time God decided on, he sent his son to buy freedom for us so that he could adopt us as his very own sons. Here's the heart of Christmas. That at a time God had pre-planned and had designed, he sent his son to buy freedom for us so that we could become his children. Jesus left his home in heaven so that we could have access to a heavenly home. He left the splendor of heaven, knowing his destiny was the lonely hill of Golgotha, there to die on the cross for me. He left his home to come where we are, so that ultimately we can go to where, we, where he is. You know, Christmas is a fascinating time, and when, it, when I look back over life, you know, Christmas in, in, in my life, like your lives, has had kind of different phases to it. We are no longer in the phase where we 
stay up late on Christmas Eve waiting for the kids to go to sleep. I was like, what is the matter with these kids? <laughs> of course, it could be a combination of the candy canes they eat and the, ate and the excitement, I guess, right? And so you wait till they're sound asleep and then we're furiously wrapping gifts and stuff like that. And, and then finally, when we drop into bed, it's like, let's hope they sleep. And then five o'clock in the morning, it's like, but it was wonderful, wasn't it? We're, we're, that's not the stage we're at just now. And sometimes if we're not careful, we can miss the blessing of Christmas as it is because we're wishing we could recreate Christmas as it was. Hold on to what was as a treasure. But don't lose the blessing of what is right now. We can't recreate what was. Life is a, it's a moving thing. So we need to appreciate our past. Embrace the present. <laughs> and anticipate the future. So, so when, I, when, when I hear the song, I'll be home for Christmas, sometimes there are different pictures in my mind. Sometimes I picture when I was a kid and our living room with the tree and the gifts and all that. And sometimes I'm picturing when when our children were young and us, our Christmas mornings there together as a family, home for Christmas. But the fact is, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 14 has a reminder for us. Listen, this world is not our home. We are looking forward to our everlasting home in heaven. This world is not our home. Philippians chapter 3 verse 20 says this, Our homeland is in heaven, where our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, is. What's home, Roger? England, Scotland, United States of America, all of them. But none of them. But none of them. There, there was a song, was very popular about 20 years ago. Steve Curtis Chapman wrote it. To all the travelers, pilgrims, longing for a home, from one who walks with you on this journey called life's road. It's a long and winding road. From one who's seen the view and dreamt of staying on the mountains high, and one who's cried like you, wanting so much just to lay down and die, I offer this. We must remember this. We are not home yet. We are not home yet. Home for Christmas? Oh, let's remember what the heart of Christmas was. He left his home so that we could have an eternal home. That's the home that's most significant at Christmas time. That's the thing that Jesus came to accomplish for us. It wasn't just to get me more socks. Jesus came from heaven so that I could go there and so that you could go there. Here's the heart of what Jesus did through coming to earth and dying for us. John 14, verse 2. There are many homes up there where my Father lives, and I'm going to prepare them for your coming. When everything is ready, then I will come and get you 
so that you can always be with me where I am. That's the real home that Christmas is about. There are a lot of homes there in my, where my father lives, and I'm preparing them for you. What's home? That's home. Where's home? Heaven's home. Jesus came to provide us with a permanent home, a forever home, and to bring us to the place where we knew that it was ours. What, one of the most stark descriptions of what happened with the birth of Jesus is in the first chapter of John's Gospel. And John chapter 1 and verse 11, and going into 12, John chapter 1 verse 11 says this about Jesus coming. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. They crucified him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Home for Christmas, home to Father's house, home to the family of God, home to a place where I recognize that I am a child of God. You know, so often I hear people saying, well, we're all God's children. No, we're not. We're all God's creation. We're all God's creation. But John 1.12 makes it very clear. It is those who receive Jesus, who believe in him, who get the right to become children of God. What's home? Home is where our Father is. Home is where God is. Home is where we'll stay forever. I love watching these TV shows where people are looking at houses, right? You know, House Hunters here, House Hunters International, House Hunters Mediterranean, House Hunters whatever, you know. Dear Lord. I love watching that. And then, then so often I hear people say, and this is our forever home. And I'm sorry, I think, no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. Jill and I moved into a new house three years ago. It's not our forever home. It's the last home we plan to live on on this earth. But it's not our forever home but I have a forever home. And this Christmas we celebrate because Jesus left his home. I do have a forever home. That's the heart of the message. And this morning, if you don't have that confidence because you don't have a real relationship with God, I want to encourage you to open your heart to the Christ of Christmas. And invite Christ to be the Lord of your life. And receive the gift of eternal life. Let's pray together. <coughs> Father, we thank you for your unbelievable love for us. That you were so set on our salvation that you sent your son into this world, that Jesus died in our place so that we wouldn't have to pay the penalty for our sins and that he returned to heaven opening the door for everyone who believes in him and trusts him. Father, I pray that through this Christmas season 
our faith will be strengthened. And I pray especially today for those who don't really know you yet. And God, I pray that you would help them to open their hearts and to recognize Christ as King and receive the gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.